0: Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. So, uh, his hands have began to cramp as he's been holding onto this pickaxe for hours, working the field, and uh, he takes a moment of pause and break, and he sets down the pick and admiring the line he's been working on for the last few hours. His little boy is sitting right there beside him. Not as much help as they're just throwing rocks and dirt clods and messing around, just being with dad. And as he wipes the sweat from his brow and he just gets a moment to stretch his hands out and work that out, they catch his eye. Just on the edge of his property, he can see out there these men that are hiding in the bushes watching what he's doing. His heart begins to race a little faster, not sure who they are or What they're doing there, he just leans back without taking his eyes off of those men at the edge of his property and just whispers something to his boys. We don't quite make out what it is, but they know. They get up and they run and they start making their way quickly back to their home. The nine-year-old is faster than the six-year-old. He's, he's, he's burning there. He's making his way there. And he continues to stop just to make sure his younger brother is keeping up with him and still heading towards home. And as they get to this huge stone house, they make their way inside yelling for their mom as they close the giant wooden door and clasp it shut. They go to her and tell her what's going on. And it's not often we see dad alone, not working out there in the field. But in this moment, he is alone. She scoops them up and takes them down into the basement and they huddle there together to wait for what's next, what's going to happen. And as he's sitting there by himself watching these men that are spying on him, he slowly reaches down to pick up that pick. It's used for work. He'll use it to protect his family in this moment if he needs to. His heart is still racing, wondering who they are, what they want and as they slowly kind of make their way up, he counts two, four, ten. There's 12 of them. Now, 12 against one, the odds aren't that great, but he doesn't care. It's his family. It's his property. It's his farm. It's his home. It's everything he's worked for. It's everything he has. And they slowly begin to walk along the edge of his property in the bushes, off the pass, out of the crowds, away from the people, away from the main city. And as they make their way through there, they kind of give the international sign like, it's okay. We don't want anything to do with you. This hasn't really made his heart slow down at all so he's still just keeping his eye on them the entire time. He watches them go up along the creek out of the view of most people around just where it just does a little dog leg over around that little hill. And farmer after farmer after farmer will continue to have the same kind of encounter wondering what's happening on and who are those people that I just saw. This brings us into the story we find in Numbers. See, there was a group of people, the Israelites, they've gotten out of Egypt and they're preparing to enter what's called the promised land. This picture that's been given to them of life and what it's supposed to look like, this freedom, a place to call their own, of land filling with milk and honey. And what's happened is they've selected 12 and sent them in ahead to discover and see what this land is about, to see what's in it, to see what it's made of, who lives there. Is there places that are fortified? What people are there? Does the fruit good? Is the uh, soil good? They're going to see what this place is all about. This picture that's been painted for them. So many times we get ideas of what pictures look like in our own head of what freedom looks like. How many of you guys uh, have had one of these growing up, right? It's an iPhone 7. It's awesome. They're coming out soon. Some of you guys are like, wow. I mean, I I don't know if you guys, how good you guys are out drawing at this. I'm good for stairs and, you know, self-portraits, sailboats. Pretty good. A lot of time in the car (laughs) with this bad boy. Sometimes you get this idea, right? You get this idea of like what life's supposed to look like. And we begin to like create and to, to sculpt and to draw and to mold what our life is supposed to look like and, and what we had hoped it to be. And over time, after doing that, and investing into this, it starts to become your life of what you kind of had wanted it to look like. Well, then what happens, right? Like life, life happens, Life just comes along and maybe it's the result of, of somebody coming along and who just thoughtlessly grabbed your, your little Etch-A-Sketch, your picture, got a hold of your life and, and ruined your picture. And you think to yourself, how, how can another human being do that to another person? Or maybe it's someone who just reached over your shoulders and grabbed your picture and you're just finally finding this place to, of freedom and a place to, to create, and to, to make it your own. Someone takes it away from you and says, you can't do that. You think this is what your life is to look like? I'll make the plan for you. Or maybe you've made a bunch of really bad personal decisions in life along the way. And slowly it's eroded and distorted this picture you had wanted and that you'd always thought your life was going to look like. But when the picture is gone, when it's no longer what you had dreamed it would be, like, like what do we do? What do we do with that? Right? Well, for, for many of us, to be honest, we didn't know God. We didn't have a place to run. We didn't like have a safe place to go. We didn't know there was a, a free way we could get on. We didn't exactly know that there was hope for change, that there was this clean slate that we could have. Didn't know about the power of forgiveness. Didn't know about the truth about God's unfailing love. We never heard God say to us, I know the, have, I know the plans I have for you of hope and a future. And, and instead in those moments of handing God this distorted picture of our life, this broken piece and saying, would you help me? Would you like help me like make this new? Would you help me make a new plan? Would you help me make a new life? Would you help me draw a new picture? A lot of us just reacted in a, a host of unhealthy ways. Some of us isolated ourselves. We withdrew uh, emotionally. We said there, there is no way I'm ever going to let anyone hurt me like that again. Some of us just like stuff the hurt and the stuff inside. We painted on this cool guy exterior and just says, I'm okay. Some of us, we've we've jumped on the treadmill of achievement. Where we're going to tell everybody, I'm going to show you what a loser you are. I'll tell them who the loser is. Some of us decided to go through life playing the victim card. So when anything ever goes bad or not the way we wanted it to, we had somebody else to blame. Some of us went the direction of extreme people-pleasing. We've become approval junkies and we allow other people's view of ourselves really paint and define the picture of what our life looks like. Other of us, we fell into extreme caregiving because, not because other people really need our care, but there's something in us that needs to be needed. Some of us, we just uh, escaped into fantasy land, uh, this other world that's not real. If we could just get our minds off of the real world just for a little bit, we could escape into the fantasy world of, of video games, romance novels, or, or pornography. Then we wouldn't have to deal with the real world. Then we wouldn't have to exude real courage. Then we wouldn't have to experience real intimacy. Some of us just decided to run and numb just to run and numb. We just deny the problem and numb it with alcohol, with drugs, with sex, with food. I mean, you name it. So is there? That's the question today. Is there, is there a way to like start over? Is there hope for a better life? Is there like this freedom? Is there a free way to live? Is there this lasting freedom that we can have? Well, in this series that we've begun three weeks ago, we're hearing God say, absolutely yes. We're using this little workbook, it's called Freeway, it's, it's not that little of a workbook, I mean, it's it's pretty intense, it's good, There's just over 500 people, I think, including uh, our junior hires and high schoolers are now involved in this, and we got introduced um, to uh a guy who just royally screwed up, a, a prodigal son who wanted the freeway, wanted the freedom, wanted to live the free life, and Fadi Hal all figured out, in reality, he was living in a life of bondage. He wasn't free. And we learned last week, as we came to uh, our first step in this journey to a freeway, that he came to his senses. And step one was awareness when we become self-aware, when we stop and we pause and we stop hurrying, it gives us the opportunity to reflect and to look back and see what blind spots we all have in our lives. We all have blind spots. We need to be aware of not just what's going on with us like externally, but internally as well. And if we want the patterns of our life to change, the patterns of our relationships to change, the patterns of our thinking to change... If we really want to walk free, we have to be aware of the reality of our current picture. Many of you guys probably have heard this definition, but the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different. Right. So to continue this process, this brings us to step number two, which I think is probably one of the toughest ones. It's discovery. This is when we like have to ask what is the deep honest truth of who I am to take a deep look inside of myself and find out what's really true about my life how did the picture get so messed up how did my thinking get so distorted how did i get so stuck and what lies have been told to me that i believed what lies have i told myself and I want to know the truth. Getting back to this story, that's exactly what we see this group of people do. They uh, have had the exodus out of Egypt, and they have no place to call home. They've been enslaved, but they're going after this dream, this free way of living, this freedom place, a place to call their own, a place that's been promised for them, a place flowing with milk and honey. And they've come to their senses here. They're at the cusp of getting into this place. They're on the edge of the promised land, and now it's time to not just become aware and slow down and rush, but to pause and say, what's it going to take to get there? And that's what we're doing in these steps. So they send 12 in. They select 12 to go in and to look at this place and discover deeply inside of it, what's it going to take? What do we have to overcome for that to become ours? And uh, it says in Numbers, it says, Then Moses sent them to explore Canaan. See what the land is like, whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or are they fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees or not? Do your best to bring back some of this fruit. So they went and they explored the land. All over the place. And two of them carried a pole between them along with some pomegranates and figs carrying branches bearing single clusters of grapes. And after the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land to report on their exploration. Just over a month it took them to go on and discover and figure out what this looks like. What's it going to take? What are we going to get? What is this picture, this in place, going to look like in our life? And it says, then they, they come back in verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron, and this whole community, and they reported to them this whole area of, of and showed them the fruit of this land. They gave Moses this account. They said, we went into the land which you sent sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit, but... <laughs> it's like never anything good that comes with a butt. The people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants there. All over the place, we saw people. Caleb silenced them, the people before Moses, and said, we should go and take possession of this land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone with them said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread this word of a bad report among them about the land that they explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there of great size. We seemed like grasshoppers in our, in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. The reason this is tough is because so many times when we can slow down and we can can come to our senses and we can become self-aware of what our blind spots are and we begin to truly look and discover what the root of that is that's causing us from having this picture that's been given to us, this idea of freedom is because many times we look at it and it's giants in our life. And we look at those things that are deep inside of us and we say the same thing. This is devouring people. This has devoured me. I can't do this. Yes, I can see the picture often at the distance. I know if I could just work through it, but we can't do it. And you start to talk yourself into this idea that I, I, can't, I can't do this. And so it continues to say that that night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. They grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If we had only died in Egypt or this wilderness... Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Man, how true is that? That when we start looking at the big giants in our life, the big things that are keeping us from this freedom, the picture that was promised to us that can be given to us, it's ours for the taking, that so many times we stop and we say, this is too hard. And we say, we should just go back. Because at least there I'm comfortable in my own misery. I've like found what that looks like, and I can just deal with the blurry lines, with the stuff and the junk of life, and I can just sludge through it. That's a difficult place to be in. Continues on to say that then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole community there. Joshua. Son of Nun and Caleb, they were both among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes, and said to the entire community, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he'll lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey. You know, give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of this land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone. But the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Friends, it's a key ingredient to this puzzle as we take these steps in discovery is that when we're wanting to go back to our Egypt and our comfortable misery, and we're looking at this thing, we have to continue to remember that God has promised you freedom. That God has given you a free way to live. Twelve guys went in. 10 came out and said, we can't do this. And they looked around everybody and says, you can't do this either. They reached over and says, no, we can't do this. This is too hard. And two guys said, no, if you continue to take steps, God will give it to us. And that's the tough part, is that when people say it's too big and you look at your life and you say, this is too big, this is too much, we'll never end up getting the promised land, the freeway or the freedom. They found giants and they just wanted to go back. Mike Foster says in, in Freeway in this chapter, he says, But the enemy of soul expiration sending of soul expiration sends lightning storms, this fog and technical difficulties of confusion to keep you going nowhere fast. He fights against you, exploring the roots of your suffering because you might discover Jesus' earth-shaking grace. He knows that if he can kidnap your heart, he can kidnap your hope. God says, let's grow. But the enemy says, not today. This is steps. This is an important step in this process, friends. And so many times we're in the midst of this, we start asking, is God on my side? Like, hey, God, where are you at? Like, I have to dredge all this stuff up and I have to like relive these moments. And the question isn't, is God on my side? It's, are we on his? Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you understand it? Because that's where the freedom is in discovery. It says in Joshua, as the story is continued on, there's a they've decided not to to share in this moment that they can't go in and they can't live the freeway and it's too much. It's overcome them. And they're just comfortable being in their own misery, but so uncomfortable at the same time. So 40 years they wondered. Maybe some of you guys are there today right now, just wondering, just walking in circles. And 40 years later, Moses has died. It's come a time where they're just on the edge of that again. They've re-began this process, these steps. They've slowed down again. They've paused. And they said, hey, this is something that is ours that we need to work on. We need to go back in and discover this place. And we need to take it as we can do it. And God gave Joshua, who was one of those 12, these words. He said, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I'll never then you will be prosperous and successful have i not commanded you be strong and courageous do not be afraid do not be discouraged for the lord your god will be with you wherever you go friends i want to give you uh, one last word as we wrap up today and that is courage is courageous see courage is contagious Be courageous. (laughs) Courage is contagious. That's why it's so important that we walk through these things with others, that we're a part of these faith communities. You have to have somebody to lean into. Lean into someone. Let them allow you to make mistakes. Let them allow you to, to find that picture again. Lean into God in these moments because he won't leave you or forsake you. This week, this week's a tough week. This is the mud. This is the sludge. But there's freedom at the end of this. It's all about steps. And I encourage you to keep taking steps because if you don't take steps, you'll never get there. Courage is contagious. Would you bow your heads?